It is Locked on Jazz for the day after Thanksgiving, November 25th. The Utah Jazz, life without Mike Conley is hard, and I don't know that it's getting easier. The defense is having serious slippage. It's not where you think, and I've got some good news for you on that. And a points gain Friday. How is it possible the Kings have the best offense in the NBA? We're looking at it all. Coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, I, uh, I actually had kind of an interesting Thanksgiving. My family is in Los Angeles. My daughter's going to play a golf tournament over the break. Um, and so my wife went to see her family, which is great. My son is in Maine ski training. Um, so I went to Alta and had an amazing afternoon. The skiing is so good right now. Uh, and then I had, my wife was, had cooked, uh, turkey and yams and stuffing for the kids while I was out of town. Um, and so I actually took that, had it in the van, and then I flew to San Francisco and actually had dinner with my parents, which was nice. So kind of a weird, funky day. I hope you had a good one. hope you're enjoying uh, shopping day today. If you're out uh, with an earbud in listening to the show today, I appreciate you. Um, feel free to, like, take pictures of yourself with the earbud with someone else doing, like, major damage while you're doing the single most exhausting thing that there is in the world, which is shopping. I don't know how anyone does it. Like, it's seriously, like, you, like I'll, I can ski, like, 10 ski runs in two and a half hours at Alta and be less tired than if I tried to go shopping. Uh, so anyway, hope you're good. Feel free to like share your like random spots. You're listening to Locked on Jazz. Get your fix on the jazz today uh, while everyone else is shopping around you. Uh, I am uh, in the hotel. In I never know what to do with these sets, by the way. This is where doing the show out of YouTube all the time is annoying. Like if I open the window, I've got a glare coming in. I it, Could it look worse to have a pale background with a pale shirt and my pale face? Like, woo. So anyway, self-conscious to start the day. Um, maybe I should get over it. All right, let's get to it. We have, Jazz have quietly uh, suddenly lost five of seven. They've they've really lost, you know, two in a row since Mike went out. And um, I don't know that either of those were particularly. Uh, I think Detroit's a game the Jazz probably should have won. They they didn't come with a lot of juice. It's the first time all year. I didn't think they came with a lot of juice, and then and then they did. Um, it worked their way back into it, and it was kind of the signature thing. There, there have been really some great constants throughout the year on this team. And then you just kind of had this late-game struggle that when the year started, if we're, this is probably what I think most people thought the Jazz would be, was this team that kind of played you hard, then got to the five- or six-minute mark, and then struggled. And, you know, the Jazz... On that night, we're down by nine with like seven minutes left, and they, they worked their way back. It's very reminiscent of the game against the uh, Denver Nuggets, who the night before had lost to Detroit, where they kind of got to the top of the mountain, and you were certain that they had won it. The Jazz had got it to like 105-101 when Beasley hit a three. Boise had been just amazing. With 8.24 left, and then I think it's at that moment where Beasley tries to launch the outlet pass to Walker Kessler on the run, and 
It's not a good decision. That's one, and I don't know that with 8.06 left, Mike's in the game to prevent that one. Um, but the next possession, we end up with a not very good look from Sexton, who misses a three. He's just not been shooting it great. He had a good assist game. And then Fontecchio turns it over, and next thing you know, like we had worked it way all the way back to, to four, and now all of a sudden it's a nine-point game with 6.52 left, and Will's got to call a timeout. And it this is where I just think, you know, having Mike Conley – and he is just, as I've said numerous, numerous times, he is the thread that holds his fabric together. And we could have a pretty lengthy debate. Like, if Mike Conley's injury had been bad, and he was really out for the year, like, it felt like he was going to be when that happened. Like, I, I don't know how many more games I think this team actually would have won this year. Like, I, I don't have a big number on that, if I'm being really honest with you. Like, I think Mike's everything. As good as Lowry is, as nice as Collins trying to develop, as hot as Malik has been. Like, to me, the two threads that hold all our fabric together are Kelly Olynyk and Mike Conley. And if you actually look at Kelly Olynyk's numbers, like if he's on the floor with Colin Sexton, we're pretty good. If Colin Sexton's on the floor without Mike Conley or without Kelly Olynyk, oh dear goodness, it's really tough. So we come back in that game, and it's 110-106 after we kind of do what you la- – Will's so good out of timeouts. I don't have um, the numbers right now to find it, but on our second play of the timeout, Lowry gets a three. Sexton hits the free throw. We've cut it down to 10, and then we just – Five minutes left in the game, and this is where, you know, really Mike's been amazing, but we've been so good, and maybe unnaturally good, is Sexton misses a seven-footer. Lowry hits two free throws. Beasley comes back in the game, misses a three. Clarkson hits a field goal with 349 left. Like, it feels all right. It's 113-110. They miss. We have the ball. Lowry turns it over. Beasley misses. Olenek misses a three. Clarkson turns it over. Markin misses a three. Clarkson misses a three. Alinek finally scores a field goal. Game's over. We go empty on one, two, three, four, five, six straight possessions and go from 113-110 to 120-110. It's over. And that's where not having Mike Conley is just mammoth. It's Now, what's crazy about this is Will Hardy's system is so good and the uh, skill level of this team offensively is so high that even without Mike Conley, if you look at the game logs, the offense, which is game by game, the offense has been fine the last two games. Against the Clippers, the offense was a 116.3, which is in the 63rd percentile, and against Detroit, who's bad defensively, it was a 120.8, which is in the 77th percentile. So that's pretty good. Um, The turnover rate was high in both those games. But frankly, the turnover rate has been high... For five of our last six games, you start exceeding 16% of your possessions as turnovers. That number's getting high. Now, that might be how we play. You've got it, like, this takes us a little bit back a few years where you've got to create the advantage and work off the advantage. Like, the the problem late to me was because of the turnovers and not having Mike and some things like that. We tried to ISO Lowry Markin and I, I, I'm a huge fan of Lowry, and he's going to have to, def- he'll develop this next set of skills, but I, I'm not sure I think that isolation is a great skill of his right now. That's not an area where I look at and say, like, oh, let's go, you know, we've run some stuff for Lowry, and at seven feet tall, he's able to get the shot off, which makes him, you know, the answer late in games. It's why Jordan said go give him the ball and things like that. But just kind of 18 feet out, straight up, one-on-one on on a guy, it's not something I'm wildly a fan of, not 
I'm not criticizing. I don't know what else we're supposed to do. But I don't think it's something where Lowry's at his best. He's at his best when he's on the move. He's on his best when he's getting shots. And this is actually something that in the sense of development, he's going to have to learn. Like, that's that's just, it's fine. Like, again, we have to, we, I think we have to cherish these developmental things throughout the whole season. Um, because I think that's one of the areas where you'll see Lowry. Lowry this year has run... Um, isolations pretty well, frankly. Like, if you go look at, if you dig into his numbers, I, I actually think of guys that have run, you know, 40 or more, and he's only run, like, 44 or 45. He's actually in, like, the elite of the league. So maybe I'm wrong. Um, and maybe it's simply, you know, he had to put the ball in the deck, and, and it just seemed really tight. So that's an area where he's got to develop, but that's where we ended up late in that game with those shots, and those aren't, those don't feel like the shots we've been winning games. We've been winning shots with movement and actions and running an offense late and things like that. And without Mike, they're really, really hard to get to. The other one is just lineup stuff. Like, you know, with Colin on the floor, without Mike or without Jordan Clarkson, is just really tough. And Colin had a nice assist night the other night, but it, it's it's really tough. No Mike, no Colin, we're minus nine. No Mike, no Mike with Colin, we're minus nine. No Mike and no JC on the floor, and Colin, we're like minus 13. No Mike and no JC just in general, on the floor, we're minus 8.5. So as we don't have, it's it's not just the no mic. It's that you start this trickle-down effect that that suddenly, you know, no mic is playing. Now when Jordan's off the floor, what happens? Now Jordan's plus minus was not particularly good the other night. But just conceptually for the season, it just thins us down. Playing without Mike Conley's hard. He's 35 years old. He's a 15-year veteran. He's 100% the fabric that's held this team together. And without him, or the thread that's held this fabric together. And without him, we're just, we're a little fish out of water. Um, and I just don't, you know, I don't know how long until he's back. But I, I don't think, like, I think our mindset is, oh, we won, you know, 12 or, what it was, 12 of our first, you know, 18. And now all of a sudden we've lost two in a row. Like, without Mike, we aren't winning 12 of our first 18. So I think that we just have to really understand uh, where that is. The defense has slipped a bit, um, and we'll discuss that. And we might not be a good defensive team with our personnel. That might be true. But there's also some really good signs um, of what's going on defensively. And then we'll do points gain Friday. Um, former Jazzman is having a monster season, and we'll touch on that, like MVP caliber monster season. Sacramento is somehow... The best offense in the NBA, and we'll try to figure that out. Plus, we'll look at the Jazz points gained and where they are. But first, we'll look at defensive slippage and what's taking place on this day after Thanksgiving um, here on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. They do great work. The Murdoch family has been in Utah for over 80 years as a part of our culture, part of our fabric, uh, and you know want to be there. It's why... You know, during the car shortage, you didn't see them charging more than MSRP on vehicles because, as Blake said, I just don't want to be going to the grocery store and seeing people that we took an extra thousand dollars from. It's not who we are as a family. And then the Hyundai car is outstanding. Uh, we, as you've heard, I've probably, if you listen to the show before, we own three of them now. Um, I'm in. Uh, when I do the research and look at the value I get for the price, it's not close. And then it's a question of whether you like it or not, right? Like I, so if you're looking at cars, here's what I'd ask you to do: include Hyundai in your look. And see, even if you're, you know, maybe you're looking at the snazzy, 
big name brands. See whether or not you're like the friend I work out with who drives the Palisade uh, because it was the right car to buy, and her husband who has the the Range Rover always wants to drive the Palisade because that's actually a nicer car, despite the fact it doesn't have the big name on it. Find out if that's what you'd find out. See as well. Go stop by Hyundai if you're going down to either any of the three locations in Linden, Logan, or in 4646 South State Street and Murray. Please let me know. And then I'll set you up with a VIP meeting at Murdoch Hyundai. Uh, glad to have you uh, involved. Uh, you may have heard of ExpressVPN. It protects your privacy and security online. Um, some things you might not know also about ExpressVPN is you can unlock movies and shows that are available in other countries. So maybe you've run out of Netflix. You're on the black screen of Netflix at this point. That's my friend Jeffrey. This will change your world. ExpressVPN, you can binge the office from UK, Netflix, um, it's simple. Just sign into Netflix, fire up your ExpressVPN app, change uh, your location, and refresh Netflix. That's all. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from over 100 different countries. So just imagine all the Netflix libraries or anything else you can go through. Maybe it's Korean dramas or things of that nature. It's also not just Netflix. It's Hulu, iPlay player, YouTube, all of it. Um, It's all at ExpressVPN. It works on all your devices, phones, media, consoles, smart TVs, and more. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash locked on, expressvpn.com slash locked on to learn more. Thanks very much for making Locked On Your Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, think about Locked On Sports Today, updating you on everything that's taking place in the sports world. So defensively, we're slipping. Um, you know, we can dig into it a little bit. It's interesting without Mike, who I do not, you know, I think particularly after last year's playoffs, none of us would would quickly say like Mike Conley's our best defensive player. Um, but what's actually I think happening is that without Mike, one of the things that's taking place is that the floor is not as balanced, our possessions on offense aren't quite as good, and we're getting beat in transition a bit more. So overall, we're 21st in the league defensively, which is just, you know, honestly not stunning. Um, last 10 games, we are now defensively, we are uh, down to 27th. And the last five games, we are down to 29th. Okay, so there's definitely some slippage. Where it's taking place, I think, is different than you might anticipate. So there's really two things that are going on in the defensive flippage right now. Uh, and maybe maybe three. One is we're still fouling a little bit high. It's kind of perked back up at a high foul rate recently. Not too worried about, but it's worth mentioning. Two is we're not defensive rebounding at all. Uh, Will Hardy talked about this, that... Um, you know, hey, we're we're not a natural rebounding team, and so any d- defensive rebounding we're doing is going to have to be in a group effort. We're 28th in defensive rebounding over the last five games, um, and so it is. We don't have the one guy that can go get you 10, 12 boards a night, and so it's it is going to have to be a group effort. And crashing is becoming more and more prominent across the league on the offensive glass. Um, we're, we're allowing teams 30 percent of their misses. Over the last five games, in all five games, we've allowed our opponents 30% or more of their misses to be collected as offensive rebounds in another possession. So even if we're playing good half-court defense, which we are, this is where 
which is super interesting. This is where I think you'd be are a little surprised maybe on what's going on with us. It's not what you'd think. Is some of our half-court defense in those games has been okay. It was really very good against the Clippers. It was not particularly good against Detroit. And it was okay um, against the Knicks and against Philadelphia. It was actually good on the Embiid night. It wasn't great against Portland and Phoenix. But the offensive rebound is just giving up too many possessions in that area. The other one that where I think is really interesting and will work to our benefit here shortly is the Jazz are getting incredibly unlucky on some items. They're doing some things incredibly well. So the defense, and this is where I, I think there's some really high hopes, the defense is denying threes at an incredible rate, like really, really, really great rate, and getting better and better at denying the rim. The Clippers lived at the rim a little bit. A lot of this is offensive rebounding, though. Zubak got offensive rebounds and reattacked the rim. Portland, they got offensive rebounds and reattacked the rim. Um. But we're doing a better job. Like, Detroit only got 25% of their shots at the rim, and they only got 25% of their shots at their threes. Detroit took 51% of their shots as non-restricted area twos or threes. Non-restricted area twos. 51%. There's no way they should have ever won. Like, the, this is actually a number that to me is really important, and that's defensive shot distribution. Because you can get lucky on night in and night out inside the game, and then... Or unlucky, depending on how someone shoots. But over the course of the season, this will serve you right. So the fact that the Jazz are the best team in the league at denying threes right now. And that really, they've been above average at denying threes in 13 straight games other than the Portland game where Portland got a 46%. Otherwise, the Jazz, they've not allowed a 10% game from the corner three in a long, long time, like about 12 games. Uh, 10% is kind of a threshold number where someone's getting way too many threes. Um, they've been great at denying. Th- so this is super, and they're forcing teams into a ton of long twos and mid-range shots before the rim. Detroit took 51%. Clippers took 34%. Anything over 25% is a lot. Portland was only 14%. Phoenix, 44%. New York, 36%. Philadelphia, 36%. Washington, 46%. Now here's the weird thing, and this will change. Teams can't miss. Teams can't miss those shots right now. Detroit shot 62% on long mid-range shots in that game. The league average is 40%. Okay? And Clippers shot 53%. Portland shot 50%. Phoenix shot 50%. New York shot 67%. Philadelphia shot 60%. Washington shot 52%. Atlanta shot 69%. The Lakers shot 50%. The Clippers shot 50%. Unimaginably impossible to have a stretch where teams' long twos are going in at that rate. The one that's really interesting about the Jazz is they do allow a lot of shots at the rim. They're 23rd in the league allowing shots at the rim. You know, at some point, we don't have the roster that takes away rim shots. We don't have Rudy. We've done a really good job of protecting and defending the rim. Um, And that's been impressive so far. Um, Teams do not shoot great at the rim. Portland and Phoenix did, but most teams have not shot very well at the rim, which means we're really ganging up at the rim when guys get there and forcing them to misses. So I, I... the defensive composition of what the Jazz are doing, I actually think is is really, really good. And there is a level where I think they've just been incredibly unlucky <clears throat> a little bit recently. Um, there's some other things that we do allow defensively. The other issue is we allow an inordinate amount of transition. Um, teams are really, really running us. Now, 
The old school version of this is, well, it's because you crashed the glass. Uh, uh, uh. That has just not been documented in any way that shows to be true. Like that if you offensive rebound at a high rate, you get beat a lot in transition. Um, so that is, you know, I'm just not sure I buy it. Um, we are 29th in the league, I believe, in half-court defensive possessions. So only 77% of our defensive possessions are in the half-court, meaning that either teams are getting putbacks, which they're doing a pretty decent amount against us. Um, I think it's like the third or fourth most. Or they're in transition against us. And so the that's, you know, the fact, and then I would say this, the fact that we're good defensively at the rim and denying threes when teams are in transition to me is really pretty incredible. Um, so there are a lot of like really good kind of signs in here of what the Jazz are doing defensively and then there's just a bunch of little things where like things are not um, not bouncing their direction quite the way they you would expect. Um, the three-point shooting that they've been good defending also the fourth or fifth best team defending three so that could rise up a little bit. We've talked about it but not a lot. It's really unnatural what teams are doing in the Mid-range. So from a Jazz defensive standpoint, to improve this, I would say there's two things we're, we're talking about here. One is the idea that you, we've got to get better on the defensive class. We've just got to cut the other team's possessions. If we can do a little bit better job of keeping them out of transition, then they can work to their strength. And then the other thing is luck will go back on our side. The teams will start missing some of those mid-range shots. Now, if it's the Warriors, it might not be tonight. Why are the Sacramento Kings the best offensive team in the league? Is Steph Curry still breaking the NBA? And how do Jazz players look at the lock metric points gained, which is an offensive metric that evaluates uh, offensive players? We'll look at all those things as we continue on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, whether you want it for a commute, uh, from a any car you want from a community of local hosts. It might be for a day drive or a long trip. Whatever it might be, it depends what car you might need for that. It might be an SUV. It might be a minivan for a family road trip. It might be you want something special for an event or a two-day trip out, a luxury car or a classic. They're all there. For uh, Find affordable economy cars also on a budget. You can need to get from A to B. Test drive the new electric vehicle that you've had your eye on. You name it, Toro has it. Many Toro hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability and insurance terms and conditions exclusions apply forget boring rental cars and find your drive at toro.com that's toro.com the largest world's largest ride sharing marketplace t-u-r-o.com toro.com t-u-r-o.com for uh, sweating is part of life for some people it's a problem whether it's your teenage kid in a at a prom date, whether it's a <clears throat> business person at a presentation, uh, whatever it might be, and that's where sweat block comes in. Sweat block wipes are your little secret to confidence. The sweat block wipes work for up to seven days per use. You apply them on a Sunday, and you're still dry all week long. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or order, try sweat odor, try sweat block. Save 20% with your promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available at Amazon. You might. Who knows when you need it? Maybe it's a date. Maybe it's a presentation. Maybe it's a job interview. Whatever it might be, sweat block wipes were invented by a doctor, and they're guaranteed to work or you don't pay. They call it the sweat block dry shirt guarantee, and if sweat block doesn't help you dry, you get your money back. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try sweat block risk-free today. Save 20% with the promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. 
com. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Jazz your first listen of the day. All right, let's do a little points gained. Points gained is a offensive metric that I've built that is taking into uh, account one's ability to get a shot off, which I think is a real skill, and then the efficiency by which they use they shoot use that possession. It's an offensive-only stat. It takes, for example, a player like Steph Curry, who we'll see tonight. He uses 23 scoring opportunities a night. How many points does he score over the average scoring opportunity in the NBA? True shooting percentage in the league is up to .57.2, and effective field goal percentage is up to 53.6. Offense is just exploding. So... Steph Curry uses 23 scoring opportunities a night. He's blowing up the league right now. He gets he scores 5.4 points per night, more than a collection of average players who use 23 scoring opportunities. So 5.4 points above average. Over the years, we've had on by the end of the year, we have about 10 players that are three or better, and then there's another about 15 or so that are two or better. Um, the, last year, Jokic was number one at 3.9. Rudy was number two at 3.5. Durant at 3.2. Excuse me, you usually have th- uh, three players at three or over. Not 10, three. Um, and then about 10 or 12 at two or over. I said that wrong. 3.9 for Jokic, 3.5 for Gobert. Durant at 3.2. Giannis at 3.2. And Jared Allen at three points. We had five. Then Carl Anthony Towns at 2.9. LeBron at 2.6. Joel Embiid at 2.5. Robert Williams, 2.4. It did. Dunkers last year became super important because people could not get to the rim last year. More people getting the rim this year. Um, and so big guys that could dunk were particularly important last year. DeAndre Ayton, 2.4. Uh, Demata Sabonis, 2.1. So those were the players who were over two last year. And it also, if you're new to this, really the biggest takeaway is that a negative player is far more detrimental to teams than people realize. Um, because there just aren't that many players having a positive impact. That it makes it, when somebody is having a negative impact of like minus two, they're, they're basically wiping out the performance of that other player. So early in the season, rather than three players above three, we'll have a, a bunch more and more too, and, and they'll all kind of settle down. But here's where we sit right now. Steph Curry is the best in the league at 5.4, kind of blowing up the league. Jokic is at 4.2. Durant is at 3.4. Donovan Mitchell is at 3.2. This is an incredible transformation by Donovan Mitchell. He is shooting 50% from the field, 42% from three, 87% from the free throw line. He is amazing right now. Pure MVP caliber player, best guard in the NBA other than Steph. He's really great. Um, And it's neat to see he was never this efficient in Utah. Never, ever. Miles Turner's 3.1. Joel Embiid is 3.0. Gary Harris is not played enough games. Christian Wood in Dallas is 2.5. Carl Anthony Towns 2.5. De'Aaron Fox 2.5. Kevin Herter 2.4. There, we're beginning to find out why Sacramento is so good. We'll dig into it in a second. Shea Gilgis-Alexander 2.4. Jason Tatum 2.4. Boyan Bogdanovich is having a more efficient, better year than he's ever had at 2.3. Anthony Davis 2.3. Yuta Watanabe, who's the best three-point shooter in the league at 2.2. Lowry Markinen 2.2. Rudy Gobert 2.1. Grant Williams, Nick Claxton, Mikkel Bridges, Desmond Bain, and Kelly Olynyk at 2.0. Kind of great to see Kelly Olynyk in there. All right. Who are the players that are crushing their teams 
defensively or right now. We'll go those defense those players that are minus two or more. Terry Rozier is minus four point five in Charlotte. Dylan Brooks minus three point four. Cade Cunningham, who's out, has only played twelve games, minus three point three. Jaden uh, CJ McCollum is a minus two point eight. Boy, if he gets right, New Orleans might be unstoppable. They have the best differential in the NBA right now. Killian Hayes minus two point eight really hurt us the other night when he went out of the game. Jabari Smith two point six. R.J. Barrett minus two point six. Yes, that R.J. Barrett. Dennis Schroeder minus 2.6. Malachi Branham minus 2.6. only played six games. Tim Hardaway two point, minus 2.6. I thought Tim Hardaway's return would really hurt Dallas, and it has. LeBron minus 2.5. DeJounte Murray minus 2.4. Jamal Murray minus 2.4. Denver played without Jamal Murray the other night, won a close one. Justice Winslow minus 2.3. Karis LeVert minus 2.2. And Keon Johnson minus 2.1. Russell Westbrook minus 2.1. Minus twos, High Smith in Miami, Book Knight in Charlotte, and Trey Jones in San Antonio. All right, let's look at the Utah Jazz and see what it is that we're doing well and then figure out what's possibly allowing Sacramento to have the most potent offense in the league. So as you heard already, Lowry's 2.2 and Kelly Linux 2.0. It's pretty great. Malik Beasley's 0.8, super. Walker Kessler, 0.8, super. Jared Vanderbilt, 2.4. Collins now even. Fontecchio, minus 0.3. Clarkson, minus 0.5. Alexander Walker, minus 0.6. Mike, minus 0.7. Taylor Horton Tucker, minus 1.2. Rudy Gay, minus 1.3. So, Markin and Alinek Beasley really carrying us from an efficiency level. Championship level team. What you want is a group that nobody is below average. So that every time they get the ball out of their hands, your primary guy, then everybody else uh, is using the possession above average, and then you become really tough to beat. Sacramento Fox is having an amazing year at 2.5. Herter at 2.4. Then Sabonis at 1.9. Rashawn Holmes at 1.0, 73% shooting. He's not playing very much. He only played nine games in 12 minutes. Harrison Barnes, 1.0. Malik Monk, 0.7, which is good for a guard. And the only players they have that are below average right now are Trey Lyles at minus 2.2, Davion Mitchell at minus 2.4, and Keegan Murray, the rookie, at minus 0.8. And none of those are catastrophic. So they are being carried by Fox, Herter, and Sabonis. And I told you guys when I was watching late games, I kind of went away from Fox late, started using Monk and Herter, and it seemed to really kind of open up what they were doing. And they have propelled themselves since. New Orleans is interesting. Larry Nance is 1.9. Zion is 1.9. Trey Murphy is 1.5. Jonas is 1.2. Ingram's 0.8. Devontae Graham's 0.7. Alvarado's 0.2. And then Herb Jones is minus 0.3. And that's it, other than C.J. McCollum, who's that horrendous minus 2.8. If C.J. McCollum fixes himself in New Orleans... That team is primed and ready to win the West, statistically at least. Now, maturity, experience, things like that, I don't know. All right, that is Locked On Jazz today. Thanks so much. Hope you're having a nice time shopping. Take that little selfie. Show us like the earbuds somewhere, some store, watching money go out the window while everyone's doing their Christmas shopping. Have a great one. Thanks very much for tuning in. Jazz Warriors tonight. Ron and I will be with you. Talk to you then.